our sponsor here for Spotlight is Overcomer. I was happening to go through uh, Box Office Mojo, which is I like to do that on Mondays. And you check through, hey, who was the big uh, movie of the weekend? Uh, number three movie in America right now is Overcomer. Uh, very cool. And by uh, theater per screen, uh, it's number two in America. Uh, this is a story uh, from the Kendrick brothers who have all, you know, they've been doing great faith movies for a long time. 2015, they had War Room, which was a huge hit as well. Uh, this is a story about John Harrison, a guy who lives in a community that is kind of being destroyed because there is a big factory in town and it closes down. Everybody moves out of town. There's chances at a state championship in basketball, go down the tubes. And Harrison is, is you know, forced to coach the cross-country team, which is not something he's interested in or knows anything about, and it only has one student who's actually on the team. So this is not not a powerhouse exactly, but the movie is, and it gives you all sorts of uh, faith and humor and, and inspiration, and it's about the idea of one person actually making a difference, something that uh, in the increasing throes of collectivism is, is, is a novel concept apparently in America. Overcomermovie.com. Go there, see the trailer right now. Overcomermovie.com. Radio show here starts in just a second. You know what I really love? Now, it might sound like I actually hate this, but I don't. You know what I really love is when AOC lectures us about how great her generation is and how the older generation just really hasn't, you know, they're not willing to stand up. And she doesn't mean to, you know, condemn or, or make anybody feel bad, but her generation really gets it because her generation understands what it takes to be a democracy. Ah! We begin there right now. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Somewhere in America, within the sound of my voice, there is a man walking out to his car. Behind him stands the factory where he has worked for the last three decades. It's ramparts scraping the sky. It's foundry noises blending in with one another. Used to be that he didn't park so close. Used to be that he wasn't the manager. But time and hard work... The bricks that built the road to his frontier with the company has paid off. And although he wears the suit and tie now, one thing still anchors him to the place in his heart where he came from. And that's his pair of Tecovis boots. You know, Tecovis boots are made from the most exotic leathers available, and they're handcrafted by world-class boot makers. It takes 200 steps to manufacture a pair of Tecovis boots, and yet their boots cost about half of what a similar boot would cost you in the store. Check out their selection of boots. All their other fine leather and clothing products that they make, it's really a great company. Find your pair. Walk your walk at tecovas.com slash Beck. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com slash Beck. Tecovas, it's Western wear for your frontier. Could we start, please, with the AOC video that she just made and released to all of her, to all of her followers, and I and I mean that word exactly as it sounds, all of her followers on social media. And they're not afraid to have those conversations. If anything, like I think they're profoundly courageous because they're willing to 
puncture taboos and conversate and have conversations that frankly older generations sometimes struggle to have not everyone i don't mm-hmm. want to paint everybody with a broad I'm feeling brush, like this is into space i think this new generation is connection okay i think this, um but anyways i think this new generation is is very profound and very strong and very brave because they're actually willing to go to the streets how about that huh. like how about that? Previous generations have just assumed that, that you know, government's got it. Let me tell you something. You right. are the government. Like, <gasps> as a democracy, I, like, we the people Like, as a democracy? You. you are, as a gov- as a voter, oh, you are oh my the God. government, too. Oh, as an older person, uh, I didn't get that. I've always, A, thought that we weren't a democracy. We are a republic. Oh, that drives me out of my mind. What have, and, what have older know, generations really... ever done, though, Glenn, to defend yeah, I freedom? Know, I know, I, mean, I know. We did nothing. On. Nothing. We did nothing. And you know what? They're willing to have those tough conversations in their safe space. As they tell everybody we can't say this word or that word, they're courageous. They're willing to have those conversations. No, they're not. They cry. (laughs) You're hurting my feelings. You're making somebody uncomfortable. Oh, my gosh, she drives me nuts. Okay, uh, you know, I, I, I don't expect her to really understand this because she's a bartender that didn't pay attention at all to anything until she won a game show to become the candidate. So let me just explain a couple of things, not to her, because I don't care about her. I just I just saw that on the Blaze News and I just couldn't take it. <sighs> but now that's out of my system, let me just tell you a couple of things. This week is the ninth anniversary of Restoring Honor. You know, Restoring Honor, where we had over 500,000 people march to Washington. You know, that one. Older generation, they don't get it. They're not willing to stand up to their government. Oh, by the way, uh, this September, I think is the 10th anniversary of the March on Washington on 9-12. Gee, what was 9-12? 9-12, why 9-12? Oh, oh, that's September 12th. Oh, that's because, that's because this audience talked about how September 12th, we all stood together bravely, both Republicans and Democrats, in this democracy And we stood up and we held hands and we prayed together because we weren't going to be bowing to fear after somebody took our World Trade Center down. That's what that was. And then when the government got out of control and was just taxing us to death and telling us they wanted socialism, about a million people took to the streets. But I wouldn't expect to know this, you to know this, uh, AOC, because, you know, what were you? Eight when that happened. By the way, this week also marks the fourth anniversary of our Restoring Unity rally in Birmingham. Then, you know, in case AOC just happens to, you know, care at all, uh, that was the uh, largest, not according to me, but according to the city of Birmingham, the largest civil rights march since Martin Luther King. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, that kicked off the Nazarene Fund, and I want to give you a quick update on that. Uh, The Nazarene Fund has helped 53,000 people this year alone. 53,000 people. Now, we're into some, some good things and some really dicey things. Yesterday... Uh, there's a uh, 12-year-old, uh, 12-year-old uh, Zanal. Um, he was a, a five-year ISIS slave. Imagine, 12. Almost half his life was lived as a slave. He was wounded in the battle of, I guess it's Bohuz in Syria. Yesterday... Uh, he finally got some life-saving surgery, and we're going to put some pictures up, and I'll tweet them out and Facebook them and put them on glenbeck.com. But he needed some surgery, and because of you, if you're a, a Nazarene Fund donor, uh, he is going to live, and uh, and we're grateful. He is very grateful for you. This week, also, the Nazarene Fund is providing transportation, security, food, and water to volunteers. We, you know, we don't even think about this part of it, uh, but the Sinjar massacre, ISIS buried people uh, in a mass grave, and so we are now helping them uh, dig those mass graves up and uh, identify their loved ones and then put them in a decent uh, grave. Uh, and mark that we're identifying people with DNA testing, uh, and they'll be buried with honor and reverence, and in the name of God, not a false God. Also, Christians in Iraq and Syria still having a difficult time with both the remnants of ISIS, and now we got a new one. We have Iran, because Iran is backing the militias, and they are occupying now the 2,000-year-old Christian lands. So most people are not returning to their lands. We're still moving people out of the area because it is not safe for them. Please, if you want to be involved in this, I mean, you know, maybe not because you're probably, you know, you're probably not from AOC's generation, so you're probably not brave. You don't know how to stand up. You don't know how to do anything. Can you lick a stamp and put a check in the mail, Grandpa? Because I'm sure you don't know how to use the Internet. But but let me just, if you want to help out and you want to be a part of it, maybe you could get somebody like AOC to teach you how to turn on your computer and go to www. Now, that's D-O-T. That's, not, that's, a, that's a period, not D-O-T. www. period. It's, we call it a dot. The Nazarene Fund dot. That's a period again. Org, as in organization, but you don't have to say it all. Okay, you just O R G. By the way, next year is the tenth uh, anniversary of restoring honor, and I have uh, before I before I came uh, here. I'm at my ranch this week, and uh, before I came up here, I had some meetings with some uh some amazing amazing people um and uh met with i don't even know 10 or 12 people i've led into this circle uh this week we are going to be announcing hopefully soon a another restoring um event this one i think is 
um, going to be the most important. Um, everyone I have brought into the circle uh, has kind of said, oh, you're going to do another restoring event? What? Uh, and then I tell them what it is, and all of them have responded, oh, I, I'm in, I'm in. So please keep your calendar open at least for the next month or so before we announce what that will be and where it will be, but we're going to announce it uh, sooner rather than later because it has great significance. That's coming next year. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit about chaos today, and I want to show you where the chaos is coming from. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the political race here in America, a little bit about what's happening in Brexit, and then also our new slave masters, uh, Apple and Google and Facebook. What Apple uh, let out of the bag yesterday? Yes, it's a cat. Cat should never be let out of bags. (sighs) It wasn't an actual cat. Okay, all right. I guess that's just a phrase. But anyway, uh, they uh, they let something slip, and it should disturb every single American. Will it? Nah, nah. But you'll know about it, and you'll know what to do about it in 60 seconds. Today is our... Uh, our last in the series on the economy in hour number two. Today is a really good one. Today you're going to – today I was uh, going over the monologue, and, and Rob, who is our engineer uh, this week, I told him some facts, and then he said, what? It's – you do not want to miss next hour. It's astonishing what we're going to talk about, talk about today on the economy. And today is what the truth is and what we need to do. All right. American financing. They, as I talk about the economy, I can't stress enough. It is time for you to batten down the hatches. A storm is on the horizon. It's like Florida, You, what you're doing right now, you need to do that to your finances as well. You need to make sure that you lower your debt as much as possible, uh, that you have some cash on hand, maybe some gold as well. But the biggest thing you can do is get out of those big um, credit card uh, interest rates. They're charging 18%. That's insanity, 18%. And that number is only going to go up. When we have a real financial uh, breakdown, that number is going to go through the roof. If you are in a... a, um, Uh, an adjustable mortgage, get out of that. If you have anything over, uh, you know, a a 3 or a 4% mortgage, you might want to consider refinancing. American financing, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm doing this as well with American financing as we speak. Americanfinancing.net. It's Americanfinancing.net. Call 800-906-2440. I trust these people. I trust these people enough to do it for me. 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. We pause for 10 seconds. Station ID.
So yesterday, Boris Johnson uh, went to the Queen and said, uh, Queenie baby, uh, I'm wondering if we could suspend Parliament for a few weeks. Uh, and she said, oh, I don't know, Boris. Kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. And so then there was a lot of... And she said, okay, yes, I approve. And everybody's making a big deal out of this, saying it's unprecedented. It's 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 a it's a it's a coup. No, it's not. They do this. I don't know what was this thing called. It's uh, proroguing, proroguing. They do this several times a year, and it what it means is Parliament it, it goes and they do the work of the people. But they don't meet and debate and everything else. They don't do that. They just go and get business done, and they do it uh, like two or three times a year. Usually it's a week. Uh, There is one time a year that it is three weeks. What is he asking for, five? And they're like, that's unheard of. I can't believe the goal of him doing it's 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 never historically ever anything like this ever happened. Yeah, it happens every year, and he's only asking for two more weeks. And you know why? Because the labor uh, the uh, uh, labor party is doing everything they can to make sure there is no Brexit. And what he wants is nobody's going to negotiate with us when they know Parliament is working to screw it up. So he's like, give me five weeks without you guys so that I can negotiate and see if we can get a better deal. But just know that we're not, if we don't get a better deal, we're still leaving because the people voted for it. And what's Labor's response? Uh, Yeah, well, that was three years ago. And it was a narrow margin, so I don't know if we can say it's the will of the people anymore. Oh, my gosh, shut up. So that's what this is. Now, I told you before, uh, like 10 years ago, chaos is the operative word of the future and, and today now. Chaos. Anything that causes chaos, uh, you should look out for it. Because chaos is going to play a role in everything from here on out. What you're feeling, what most of us are feeling, is chaos. We may not describe it that way, but it is. It's chaos in the Justice Department. It's chaos in Congress, in the, in the Oval Office. It's chaos in our streets. It's chaos in our neighborhoods. It's, it's chaos. Brexit without any kind of a deal, that's chaotic. So what's happening? 29% of London homeowners are panic selling uh, their homes ahead of Brexit. I mean, if you were ever thinking about, I mean, I don't know why you would, but if you were ever thinking about buying a a house, you know, in in London town, oh, it's fantastic. Uh, You you can get um, at least, well, let me give it to you this way. Uh, they are prices are being cut now, um, at least by ten percent. About eleven percent of the listings have seen at least a forty-six thousand dollar cut from their initial price just recently. Eighteen percent of homes are have listed uh, have seen at least a ten percent drop ahead of the October thirty-first uh, deadline, 
and sterling has lost about 10% of its value. So you're going to get it in some, you know, you're getting some good deals. <laughs> right, lovey? Oh, yes, kiss me again, Boris. I just love it. Mm. Uh, now, some other chaos. <laughs> the Democratic uh, candidates. Kristen Gillibrand has exited the presidential race. And this is all I'm going to say on this. Uh, she ran as a feminist, uh, and she didn't meet the criteria. And she's not. She says this is this is this is this is crazy. Uh, you know, it's not very transparent. Blah 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 blah. Of course not. It's run by the Democrats. You think you're going? Yeah. You know who's really transparent? Communist and socialist. They love when it comes to when it comes to elections. Putin is so unbelievable with his transparency. The most transparent election, I think, in the world, happening in Venezuela. Yeah. You, oh, you bet. Yeah. So I just want to give this to you. I want to read what came out of uh, Politico. This is the article. And they're like, hey, you know, she doesn't understand what happened. And, you know, it's very confusing. And so we've lost another one. Nah, well, do we not know what happened? Listen to this. Still, Gillibrand uh, built a reputation as a creative campaigner who showed up at unconventional locales. She bartended at Iowa's oldest gay bar. She arm wrestled college students and appeared at a drag show in Des Moines. Oh. Well, I think that sounds like just mainstream USA, doesn't it? I mean, it seems like... That's where everybody's hanging out, right? Sure. Now, when we come back, Bernie Sanders has a plan to regulate all of your life. And he's about nine points ahead of Donald Trump in if the election were held today, and it was between the two of us. So don't think this isn't coming, along with eavesdropping. You're listening to Glenn back wait until you hear this apple story internet's pretty uh, wild and woolly these days uh it wasn't like that you know when it came when it came around the first time that's not what we thought it would be back then it was just kind of this cool little space where you get away from the world for a little while and now we practically live inside the inter- internet danger is starting to creep up everywhere but you don't have to worry about it you just have to change with the times now that it's getting more dangerous, you need to move into a safer neighborhood. And the safest neighborhood around is a VPN because no one knows your address. I've got a story on this I'm going to tell in a few weeks, but we have to get past it. But uh, nobody knows your address. And it is with a virtual private network using bank-grade de- encryption. This is the safest way to be online. Norton Secure VPN creates a secure tunnel for the information you send and receive online. It keeps the prying eyes out uh, and secures your Wi-Fi connections. Pri- uh, bra- browse privately now with a Norton Secure VPN. Protection starts at three thirty-three a month. It's Norton.com/VPN. Go to glenbeck.com, get your tickets to Christmas Stories with Glenn Beck. It's December seventh, Salt Lake City. Get tickets while they're still there. 
You know, one of the things in life that is absolutely worth its weight in gold is peace of mind. You spend a lot of your time away from your home, between your job and everything else you do on a regular basis. You're actually home very little, especially during the week. Well, that's when robbers hit you. It's not at night, usually during the day when you're gone. Simply Safe's home monitoring system is exactly what you need. It is state of the art and best in the business with video verification technology, which makes response times three and a half times faster. There's no contract or hidden fees. There's no fine print, and they can provide you with amazing around-the-clock home monitoring, both inside and out, for $15 a month. Imagine how much better you'd feel knowing that there was one less major thing in your life that you have to worry about all the time. Simply Safe. They've got a huge deal going on right now. If you just go to simplysafe.com slash Glenn and get a free HD security camera when you order. That's a $100 value. You'll have eyes on your home 24-7. Get your free HD security camera now at simplysafe.com slash Glenn today. That's simplysafe.com slash Glenn. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program from the shadows of the everlasting hills. Uh, That's not, I got a hose not in the shadow yeah, of the is. everlasting yeah, it hills. Yeah, it no, is. It it's a, the shadow is cast a long way. <laughs> no. We're in the mountain. No. We're in the mountain west uh, today. Welcome to it, Pat. Thank you. Oh, Thank by you. the way, Pat, just yes. for you and just for mm-hmm. you and Stu, let me explain. This is a fishing shirt, okay? This is this is a very expensive Columbia. Are you going to be fishing during the show? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all cause... I have up here is sport and mountain wear. That's all I have. I'm sorry. I'm wow. sorry. Well, it's not wow. like you could have known you were doing television shows while right. you were there. No, it's there's, a total a, there's no My way to wife tell. specifically said to me, <laughs> I am not packing a bunch of clothes for you to drag up there. Uh, and uh, and you have plenty of clothes up there. And I'm like, uh, okay, you sure? And she's like, yeah, I don't have any clothes up here. I mean, I've got all this stuff. I don't have, like, TV clothes. In and solidarity, here, in solidarity with you fishing. today, I'm, I'm wearing my riding pants. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I got my polo Peace. stick outside. It's but it's, Shut up. It's ready to go. It's Shut up. <laughs> all right. All right, I want to go a couple of things. Pat, I got something great for you uh, yeah. coming up in just a second. But first, let me let me just go over what Apple apologized for yesterday. I love this, yeah. Apple, Apple was busted using human contractors and giving them access to listen to Siri customers. Uh, you know, Siri is the digital assistant. If you have an iPhone or an iPad or anything else... You were they were given uh, tapes to contractors and to Apple where they had recorded things, including sexual encounters. And they said uh, yesterday, you know, we realize that we haven't been fully living up to our high ideals and we apologize. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Okay, we realize we just got caught and now we need to do some our high ideals. We have. We have high ideas, and we just realized that we're violating some of those. Really, by listening to people have sex, you think that's a that was that was a close call for you? You you didn't realize you were violating the high ideals when you were listening to people. Well, let me tell you something: if people can't be more quiet during sex, they deserve it. Right? <laughs> they deserve it. <laughs> Listen, just... here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. My wife, she doesn't she doesn't believe me on this. I'm telling you. Uh and I 
you need to take your phone and yep. plug it in in the bathroom or in, uh, you know, wherever it is in the kitchen. Don't put it in your bedroom. All the all the real private mm-hmm. conversations we have, we have in the bedroom. We'll be laying there at night. And we'll talk about the kids and everything else. And we have real private conversations with the phone sitting right there. Yep. Don't do it. Now, I, there's I one more the, thing. Part of the problem Go before ahead. you get to the other thing is that we just were so addicted to these devices. And I include myself in that. That we're we're not willing we're not willing to do without them and we're not willing to make Apple pay for this by not by not buying their products because we're so uh we're just completely reliant upon them now. And, and Oh, it's a brave new world. 15 it's a brave years new ago, world. we did completely without them and we were totally fine. But now, oh my gosh, we're crack addicted. And I so- I I have said this so many times to to my wife. I've said, "You know what? Let's just leave the phones. Leave the phones. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't can't. Nope. Can't. How then how did we live just 10 years ago? I don't know. Ago? You know, we were trying to watch something last night. It was something educational. You know, it was actually the uh evolution thing with David Galerinter or however they said oh, it. They wasn't said it that great? Totally Galertner. different. Uh, it, but that's not how they say it. Did you notice that? I know, the, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So do you know which way is right? Cuz I No, I just know that I've I've asked him in the past and uh we heard uh, Galertner. Yeah. I've called okay. him Galertner and he's for never years. Correct. I know he's never corrected and he's you. Never on that. corrected me. No. But anyway, he he's he completely says, "Okay, uh, the Darwin theory is impossible. It just didn't happen." But anyway, we're watching this fifty-seven minute thing. Every fifteen seconds, her phone went off. Every fifteen seconds, it's like, "Put your phone away <laughs> for half a minute." But she wouldn't. She couldn't. You can't. They. You have to. If that. If that signal goes off, you got to check it. And it's like it's Pavlov's dog. Signal goes off. You check so, it. I. I really truly believe that the main use for our pools, because everybody in Texas has a pool because it's a billion degrees, mm-hmm. but you can't use it now because everybody's like, "Oh, is your pool heated?" No, I need it air conditioned. <laughs> yeah. I need I need it to run over ice as it is. I mean, it's like you're getting into a pot of if you feel like a lobster. Yep. You're like, am I being cooked in this? <laughs> anyway, uh, I think our main use for pools in the future will be just to throw phones and iPads and everything else into the pools. Yep. Anyway, yep. um, here's the latest. Now, this one's coming from uh, Great Britain. There is such an extensive, uh, you know, CCTV camera network. You're we're watched all the time. They have more than now. China. Uh, they have more except for China. They are constantly. You're constantly being monitored. Well, they've added a new technology to the CCTV cameras, which is fantastic. They now have a new uh, software program. That is lip reading technology. So if you're just walking down the street and you're having a conversation, the government can read your lips and it can tell them if there's something bad that's about to happen. Isn't that great? Are, is that being employed now or they're talking now. about putting that now? In? No, now. And it's what's the excuse? Now. I mean, you can't. Yeah, we're going to stand for that. Are we going to? That's no, going to be okay are. with people. 
and it will be okay with people here too. It will. Yeah, it'll start yeah. there, and in in uh, two years it'll be here, and they'll they'll well, it's for your safety. Uh, this way, we'll be able to read the lips of terrorists who are plotting attacks, and we'll be able to head them off. You know how <laughs> you know how coaches you know how coaches on the sidelines they. Yeah. Uh, cover their mouth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I'm surprised They're saying you know that. that. That's what, yeah, someone definitely gave that. him that information. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I do know that because some game uh, a few years back, oh. somebody. Oh, yeah. That no, makes, come no, on. You got somebody it. was. You're almost there. Shut up. You. It's a fishing shirt. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's true. I mean, you watch anyway. the same thing when they have mound visits in baseball games. Like, they yeah. just put the gloves, the baseball over gloves their mouth. over their mouth, and then they have the whole conversation right. from behind the glove. Everyone's going to be doing right. that walking around now if this yeah, is Yeah, that's, that's what they're saying now in England is that Jeez. if you want to make sure that it's private, when you're walking down the street, make sure that you're covering your mouth. Wow. So I'm going to do that now because I'm going <laughs> to... We're talking about things that really I don't want the government to know. You know what I'm saying? They're all, I guess privacy uh, okay. experts are also advising not to broadcast your conversations over national radio. Oh. That's a new thing that they're recommending. Oh, crap. Yeah, are we on the start? radio every day? When did that start? <laughs> Jeez. So, Pat, I yes. thought of you last night, and you're going to love this story. Okay. You're going to love this story. It can be shown now for the first time after a near-complete skull of mm-hmm. some long name was found in Ethiopia. It's mm-hmm. an ape-like adult male, <laughs> about five foot. It mm-hmm. weighed 100 pounds. The upper jaw was just found, uh, you know, by one of the, you know, chief scientists at the Cleveland Museum of Natural History. Okay. And he said, I couldn't believe it. When I spotted it, it's a dream come true. This is a game changer in our understanding of human evolution. Uh, and apparently, this might be Piltdown Man. And I know wow. you love Piltdown Man. I love Piltdown yeah. Man. It's my favorite yeah. story of all time. A 41-year yeah. hoax against scientists. All I had to say was... All I needed to say was Piltdown Man. <laughs> I don't know Here what it Pil- comes, Wait, America. P- what is Piltdown Man? Don't, don't, don't encourage him. Part don't, orangutan, don't part human skull put together by some hoaxer, and scientists didn't know it for 40 years. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So when are we going to find that out about this 4 million-year-old skull? Where It's, it's going to be the same thing. And this ties into what we were talking about with the David Gallertner thing. And there are two other scientists whose names I, I can't remember. But they were all saying. <laughs> they were all they saying. The same way. They're very credible. Very credible. And they were, but I very don't know who they and are. I have no idea who they are. <laughs> yes. And the one you do know who it is, you don't know how, to, don't pronounce know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> right. We know he's at Yale. And we know he wears a glove because the Unabomber tried to kill him. Uh, that much I do right. know. Mm-hmm. That much I know. Uh, and he's a nice guy. And we've had guy. him on the air. Good guy. Yeah. And the interesting thing to me was, Gallertner was saying, yeah, Darwin, it's impossible. It didn't happen. It's, you know. Now, he is a guy who liked. He he loved it. He loved it. elegance. He said it was beautiful. Yeah. He said Darwin's Darwin's theory theory. was beautiful. And and he doesn't necessarily subscribe to intelligent design. I think he's willing to consider it, it seemed like. But at one yes. point, he almost dismissed it during the discussion between the three of them. And there was only one of them who was really into the intelligent design theory. And I, I don't know what replaces Darwin if it's not God. But um, it's fascinating to me 
that after all this time, there are legitimate scientists who are saying, mm, no, this just didn't happen. No, Sorry. it's, you know, didn't it, happen. It's, it's not that, you know, if you really listen to that, I, I love, I'm so glad you watched that. Um, it's available at glenbeck.com, by the way. Um, Everybody should watch it. As I, as I watched, as I watched this, it was such a nice, uh, it was such a logical takedown of it really was Darwin, and there was no, you know, animosity. There was animosity. no animosity toward Darwin no. at all. It's not like right. they wanted they, to take him down. It's right. just they just said it doesn't work. He, they said he, yeah, and he wouldn't have known that, nor would have mm. any scientist known that mm-hmm. up until really the last fifty years. It doesn't, you know, it's hard to explain the last uh, fifty years, especially the last twenty. But uh, once you get, once you have the scientific knowledge of the coding of the DNA strands, right. you, you know that it doesn't work. And he, you know, Darwin wouldn't have known any of that. But right, because 150 years ago, through, right, we yeah. had no way. Um, right. So it, the math doesn't work and the biology doesn't work. But as And he did say, they, they all three said that it would work uh, only in small adjustments. So, in other words, mm-hmm. the beak needs to be a little different, or you need to have a little less fee- uh, fur. That kind of stuff would change, but not from one species to another. And if you watch the thing, it'll explain it to you, and it'll make a lot of sense. Um, it's kind of complicated, but when you watch it, I think you'll you you understand it. And it's either at the beginning of the strand of the DNA. You have to have the beginning of whatever it's going to morph into, um, or it'll be that thing already, and it will kill mm-hmm. the previous organism. Or at the end, you add what it's going to morph into, and it kills it anyway. So there's just no way for this to happen along the chain of DNA. Yeah, if you're if you're you know uh, making an elephant, mm-hmm. uh, and you've got a lion. When you have that first strand of DNA, it has all the bone structure and and mm-hmm. what the innards, uh, the size of the innards, what they have to be, et cetera, et cetera. You you don't just well, for instance, like a horse and a cow, or what what is the closest thing to a cow? A cow has three stomachs, and it, it's the it has three stomachs for a really good reason. Well, what it morphed out of. Uh, you know, according to Darwin, wouldn't have three stomachs. Right. So you can't make a cow from that other because how it, it wouldn't be, you, you don't have like one stomach and then two stomachs <laughs> and now finally a third stomach and there's a fourth growing someplace that we just haven't seen yet. Yeah. It would kill the animal because the animal wouldn't work. It's fascinating. It's really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it might sound like a jumbled mess because neither one of us are scientists, but when you watch it, they explain it so elegantly. Well, you're a doctor, whoa. but you're not a scientist, right? What is a scientist <laughs> if not a doctor? And I have to tell you, this show has won many, many awards. We're known mm-hmm. for our heavy science. <laughs> That's uh, true. And, the, and art. Many, Don't forget art. Yeah. You know. Well, in art, yeah, exactly right. Thank yeah. you for saying that. Yes. Even as an uneducated man, a man who doesn't have his doctorate, uh, you know, no, I do you not even get it. Yeah, I do. You even get I it. I do. Thank you so much, Pat. No, no, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, I want to talk to you about an exciting offer from My Pillow. 
I love my pillow. You don't have to fluff it. It never gets hot. You don't fold it in half. You're not tossing and turning all night. It's revolutionizing sleep. Now, you've helped uh, Mike Lindell build my pillow into the incredible company that it is right now. Millions of people have my pillow. Well, Mike wants to give back to the listener, and so what you do uh, is get a great discount. He's going to—he's discounting things like crazy discount. He's a little—I mean, he is a little. I mean, I think I can say this. I'd say it to his. He's a little nuts. He's a little nuts. Um, but that's, you know, all great inventors and everything else are. Mike wants to give back to you. So all of the products, all of the products on MyPillow at MyPillow.com, if you click on new radio listener specials, you're going to see some amazing offers uh, on some of their pillows, their sheets, their mattress toppers. Uh, it's like their $90, you know, body pillow is now like 29 I think. Their dog bed is as low as $19.99. But you have to use the promo code BECK, and you have to click on New Radio Listener Specials. Do it now. MyPillow.com. Click on the New Radio Listener Specials. Get deep, deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the dog bed, for as low as $19.99. Enter the promo code BECK or call 800-966-3117. Get these great radio specials while they last. You're listening to Glenn Beck. We have so many great things left for you in today's show. Up next, our final installment on uh, the economy. This one, this ain't your daddy's capitalism. We'll go over it next. Don't miss it. It's full of great facts. You're listening to Glenn Beck. We're so glad uh, that you're uh, listening. This is the 10th anniversary or the 9th anniversary of Restoring Honor and the uh, 4th anniversary of, of uh, Restoring um, uh, Unity in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm glad you're with us this week. We're talking uh, about capitalism this week and what's really happening in our country with the economy. Coming up in a second, it's this isn't your daddy's capitalism. Uh, and I want you to listen carefully, if you will, has a lot of stats in here that you need to share with your friends. It has a lot of information that your friends really need to know because what we're talking about is truly the destruction of of, of every country in the world. And you will understand that coming up in just a second. It's time for America to step to the plate, but not with our military this time. That's not the most powerful thing we have. And you will come to really understand this in a completely different way in just a few minutes. Stand by.
All this week, we have been doing a series on the economy and telling you the facts of what is really happening, things you're just not going to hear on MSNBC or, I mean, sorry, CNBC. You're not going to hear it on the Fox Business Network even. Nobody is talking to the average person. And it is really, really important that you you know the facts because you're the one going to be paying the price. Today as uh, our final chapter. This ain't your daddy's capitalism. And today you're going to really, truly understand how important it is that we do not let this country uh, slide into socialism. The entire world and as I will show you, this is not hyperbole. The entire world is counting on us. I'll explain in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You would think that as time has gone on, problems like identity theft uh, would become a thing of the past. We live in an age of phenomenal technology. You know, with Apple announcing yesterday that, oh, you know, we've been listening to literally listening to people having sex, uh, you know, on their on their phones. And sorry, we're Apple and we should have higher standards. Oh, you think so? You would think as people could monitor everyone, find out, track everyone, you'd think that we would be more secure. But the opposite is true. Cybercrime is rampant. Identity theft is one of the most common ways that a person living in the 21st century can lose absolutely everything. Pieces of your identity go out over the Internet every day, all the time. That is why I have LifeLock. I'm going to tell you a story um, in a couple of weeks after this uh, after this passes. Um but it'll it, it will chill you to the bone. I just told it to Pat and Stu off air a minute ago, and uh, Pat said that is chilling. No, it is. It's bone chilling. Uh, you need to protect yourself. LifeLock helps you do that. LifeLock.com. Use the promo code back. LifeLock.com. Get an extra ten percent off your first year by using the promo code back. 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or lifelock.com. This ain't your daddy's capitalism, or ye. So all week, we have been discussing the economy, how we got here, where we're headed, what's happening with China and the trade war, the blessing and the curse of a 100 years of credit expansion by the central banks, and how the progressive left and the progressive right want to return the world to now hyperinflation and hyperspending by global governments with something called MMT, Modern Monetary Theory. It's toxic. Today, I want to talk about where we need to go from here, what we as individuals must realize, the choices that we have in front of us, and the consequences of not making the right choice. And the consequences truly is global destruction. Make no mistake, as you will understand in the next 20 minutes, this is up to us. This is once again, it has been left up to America 
to step up and save the world from itself. It's a role that we are familiar with, but usually that means we have to send our military someplace. This does not include the military. That is not our source of real power. But it should be a it should be a you know something we're familiar with. The world always asks us to step up. In 76, the British Empire ruled 35% of the world's population. We were the first colony to break off from its parent stem in the history of the world. And we set an example that cascaded into a series of independence movements that eventually freed more than 30 nations from the British rule. So, yeah, we really don't like colonialism. It's why we don't take over parts of the world. In 1917, the world was tearing itself apart over in Europe, World War I. The might and industry of the U.S. that brought peace and ended Imperial Germany and Austria's plans for European conquest happened because, not because we sent over troops, but because we had industrial might. Hitler's National Socialists, the Emperor Hirohito, the Imperial Navy, had rolled over every single nation in their path by 1941 before we got in. The Allies had known nothing but defeat. After the U.S. first attack against Japan, the Allies experienced nothing but victory. In the aftermath of World War II, the USSR pounced on their neighbors' war fatigue and just rolled over European countries while we gave those countries back to the people. They beat people into submission until about 1989. Time after time, generation after generation, it is the U.S. that is called to live up to our mission statement. A mission statement first proclaimed by a group of men. Yeah, they were all white and they were all men. They were really smart. No one had ever uttered the words that had these men uttered and then put down on paper and announced to the world. We, we recognize, protect, and defend individual liberty and freedom. And you know what? The world took us at our word for the first 150 years. We know they did because they kept asking for us to help them realize that dream. And to prove it, we defeated despots, kings, fascists, sociopaths, totalitarian empires, Soviet dictatorship of the majority. Every time we raised our banner, we destroyed the enemy before us, leaving the world more free, more fair, more just than what we found. And today, the world is in one very clear voice. They are calling on America again. They are asking for our help. We are already answering this call, but no one is talking about it. And you don't notice it because you think, as many politicians do, our might is in our military. That's not our might. 
They're asking us to play our familiar role to ensure the people of Earth do not slip back into slavery that we have fought to escape since the Enlightenment. Once again, as you will come to understand in the next couple of minutes, America is the last best hope for mankind. And if we fail this time, the world is swallowed by darkness. People will say, I have not heard anyone ask. They are begging for our leadership. They're asking for America to step in and use their might and ingenuity to guide the world back to sanity. It is as clear and as bold as any bat signal against the clouds. Now, I'm not talking about what we hear from their pundits and their politicians No diplomatic posts have arrived. No new proposals for an alliance or Churchillian speeches saying, until in God's good time, a new world with all of its power and its might steps of the old. It's not coming that way. Instead, if you read that in the headlines, we're the world's pariah. From Macron in, in France... Our consumerism is destroying the planet. Putin in Russia, we're imperialists bent on world domination. Z in China, we're a bully. Canada's Trudeau, we're the world's worst polluter. In the global press, America is a cliche redneck, violent, misogynist, racist, xenophobic. Public opinion polls of America taken abroad show us to be untrusted, despised, and feared. We're rich. We're selfish, we're pompous, we're corrupt, we're uncaring. We're too male, too white. We have too many damn guns. We're destroying the planet one smokestack and tailpipe at a time, and we don't seem to give a crap. So where's the disconnect? Glenn, that's what I hear. You're telling me they're asking for help? The world is teetering right on the precipice of the abyss, and they know it. Their leaders are all doing the same game, but just like here in America, the people know it. No, Putin's tanks aren't rolling into Western Europe yet. Z has an unleashed secretly embedded software hacks crashing global power grids yet. Iran hasn't sent the Republican Guard racing across the desert to Israel yet. North Korea isn't nuking Tokyo yet. The world isn't facing annihilation by a military dictator. This time, the enemy is more insidious than ever before. This time, the enemy is us. This time, the enemy is is within our gates and within their gates. This time, the enemy is the same power of corruption. From Germany to Japan, Switzerland to Belgium, China to Brazil, Argentina to South Africa, the world is sinking fast in quicksand, and that quicksand is of their own making. And it's the usual suspects. It's the central banks. It's the politicians. And the signs are everywhere. We talked about it all week. The sign is in the data. Global GDP, 
the total financial output for all nations altogether sits at $80 trillion. That means we, t- we take every dime that we've made, we put it in a giant heap, we have $80 trillion. Global debt, public and private, sits at $190 trillion. Now, that's not counting China's off-balance sheet of $50 trillion. $190 trillion is our debt. So global debt to GDP is 190%. So for new, every new dollar created, $1.90 is already owed. And we hear this all the time. We hear this all the time. Now, everybody used to be concerned about debt. Now, oh, no, you know, debt is good. I know there's a lot of debt, really big numbers, too big to comprehend, really. So what? Everything's fine. No, here's what's new. And here is where you hear the call for America to stand and rise to the occasion. I'll tell you about it in one minute. You know, there are two parts to buying a house, the fun part and the not-so-fun part. The fun part is seeing the houses, making your plans, designing the look of your future in your head as you walk through the room of a new house. The not-so-fun part is all the paperwork, the stuff leading up to the actual buy. That's where the real estate agent usually comes in, so you don't have to worry much about that part. But believe me, you want the best person for all of that part, which is why a number of years ago, my wife and I and my brother, uh, Robert, started a real estate company, Real Estate Agents I Trust. The name pretty much says it all, and it was started as a passion thing, uh, and it has just exploded. What we did is we took the best practices from the 500 best real estate agents, from as, as uh, named by the Wall Street Journal, and we used that as our template. We hired a lot of agents since then, thousands of them coming from this audience, but they had to know that template. They had to have best practices. So if you want somebody who can help you create the most value for your home, who has a long track record of success success, and can help you find the right home in the right neighborhood, go to realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Glenn, nobody is calling on the United States to step in. Nobody's depending on us. We're so screwed up, we need socialism. Okay, let me give you some facts that no one is talking about. As of July 2019, 94% of global sovereign bond yield paid to investors across the entire planet was paid by the United States. Let me break that down on what that means. Global sovereign bond yields. Those are sovereign bonds. These are, uh, you can invest in countries, buying debt and everything else. 94% was paid by the United States to these other countries. As of 2019, 61% of all triple-rated corporate bond yields paid investors is paid by U.S. companies. So, again, 
Out of every $100 earned by investors all over the globe for investing in a government bond, $94 are paid by the United States. Six are paid by the rest of the world. Let me ask you this. If you knew that stat and you saw that these governments, for instance, I think it's Sweden, is it Sweden? I think it's Sweden. I just read today. It's putting a trillion dollars into our bonds and stocks. A trillion in U.S. bonds and stocks. The, that money has always been parked in Europe. They've just taken it out of Europe and invested in the United States. Why? Because 94%, 94 cents on every dollar invested is is paid for by the United States investment. 61% out of all of the corporate stocks across the globe, out of every $100 paid out on corporate stocks and bonds, 61% dollars are paid by u.s companies this is a world desperate for help remember they're paying for all these programs too they got to make social security they need investments that are making money the world is crying out for our help they're just doing it in a different way they're just sending trillions of dollars into our economy because we're the only literally the only ones performing That's them sending up the bat signal. They're asking us to play our role, to fire up the furnace of American industry, invention, finance, technology. They're not asking us for military, nor should we send military anywhere. It's not our business. Our strongest force we have is our ingenuity and invention and industry. We are literally the world's income if the united states goes down for every hundred dollars invested if we pay zero they only make six dollars instead of a hundred because the united states goes down they don't have the 94. they only have six and i i guarantee you that if the united states goes down so does the rest of the world We are the world's income, the engine of American business, agriculture, manufacturing, e-commerce, banking, finance. Our output is backstopping the entire world as it did after both world wars. Let me give you some perspective. America is only 5% of the world's population. We're 25% of the world's GDP. But we are 94% of the payout on sovereign bonds. That income that almost every other nation and government is relying on us to stabilize their own economies, to keep their union pensions afloat, to pay for their social security and their defense. That's the real disconnect between what you see in the press and how they're voting with their wallets. They can say whatever they want about the United States. They're sending us trillions of dollars. China and Russia say we're bullies, but both nations have trillions invested in U.S. equities and real estate. 
to Canada, we're the world's worst polluter. But 35% of their sovereign wealth fund is invested in the U.S. To the EU, we're brash and uncouth. But their government and citizens are investing trillions in stocks and bonds. And they have to. Because we're the only engine that's working. We can talk about all of our problems. But let's talk about us being the last engine on Earth that's still turning over and starts. Most nations now issue government bonds with negative interest rate. Investing in Germany, Japan, France, Switzerland is a guaranteed loss. That's, that's not me just making that up. It's, it's in the paperwork. Invest in us and you will lose money. We guarantee it. Wow. How does your nation stay afloat? And what do we have to do? More in a second. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Mm. As summer is coming to a close, we're right around the corner from fall. Mm, You can smell the pumpkin spice and... And the Yankee candles come out that smell like fir trees. Uh, And then you get to shovel, shovel snow, scrape ice. Oh, it's great. If you're like a lot of Americans, you'll be traveling with your family this Thanksgiving. What's going to be on your mind as you drive? Is it Aunt Carol's stuffing? Grandma Betty's turkey? Now probably you're going to be thinking, oh, geez, the roads even open. Are they going to be clear? My car better not break down. We'll all freeze to death and I'll end up eating little Johnny. That's why you should trust Car Shield. In addition to providing 24 7 roadside, excuse me, roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is in the shop, they make the process of fixing your car extremely easy. Call 800 Car 6000, mention the promo code Beck, or visit carshield.com, promo code Beck, and save 10%. Carshield.com, promo code Beck. It's so easy, it's even easier than talking, apparently. Uh, by the way, go to Christmas Stories with Glenn Beck. It's in Salt Lake City, December 7th. Glenbeck.com is where you get your tickets. This time, uh, at this hour, uh, all week, we have been talking about the economy, and I urge you to go back and listen hour number two each week to really get an understanding of what's going on today is the final chapter and we're talking about uh we're talking about what we need to do and how the world views us we are the only game in town only game in town most nations are issuing government bonds with negative interest you get a guaranteed loss if you invest in any other country but this one and while stocks are up 400 percent here in the United States since the 2008 financial crisis. Globally, most stocks still sit 50 to 60% below the highs they saw in 2007. They haven't even hit 2007 highs yet. Our productivity per capita is steady. Global productivity has declined. Almost every nation on Earth is massively invested in and reliant on the U.S. economy. For better or for worse... We're the world's reserve currency and the best investment in town. And through their investment in us, they're telling us 
They need us to succeed. If we don't, the world faces collapse and chaos and breadlines and civil wars, a repeat of the 30s and 40s. And I don't know if you remember that, but that didn't go so well for most people. So what makes us different? How is it that generation after generation, crisis after crisis, the good old U.S. of A. seems to be able to pull ourselves together, fire up the factories, and get the job done? And how do we pull ourselves back on the path to ensure this generation can play the role that we must play now? What is the objective we need to to, to, uh, assign to ourselves? Some people will say, well, capitalism, we got to save capitalism. Well, no, capitalism is not our objective. If we do things right, free market capitalism will be the result of a successful mission. It's not the mission itself. So what's our mission statement? Well, our founders wrote it down. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is our goal. Capitalism is not our goal. It's not the objective. Fulfilling our mission statement is the objective, and capitalism is the result. It's the natural outcome of a system of government that protects individual rights and ensures liberty and justice for all. The economic system that results from that legal structure is capitalism, but that legal structure is faltering. The reason so many people, especially millennials, think they dislike capitalism is because we broke capitalism. Today, millennials and many people see capitalism merely as a shadow of what it should be. What they really see when they say, I hate capitalism, what they really mean is, I hate cronyism. I hate favoritism. I hate monopolies. I see people who think they're above the law, and they are. I see corruption. I see income inequality, and it doesn't make sense. I see it, and so do you. What I haven't seen in many years, I've never seen it fully, but I saw it a lot better than it was. I've never actually seen capitalism. I've only seen the grotesque husk that we have made capitalism into, that we and our parents and our grandparents allowed it to become. And here's how we broke it. We broke it by trying to force it. We, we wanted to shape it into a tool that we could use to accomplish money. Make money, just money, 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 money. That's our goal. That's not our goal. Capitalism at its best is a service to people. Okay, so it's not money. We got to use it for social justice. No. What we did in the past is we chose industries and companies to, uh, to favor over others. We said trucks over railroads, Edison over Tesla, oil over nuclear. We, we stepped in to protect labor versus the corporations. We trapped generations of Americans into labor unions, and we drove American manufacturing uh, and ingenuity overseas. Through our regulation, we stifled innovation. We wanted to make sure people didn't hurt themselves and take something that they shouldn't have. So we, in doing so, created the drug war and now the opioid crisis. We wanted to ensure that nobody's feelings got hurt and nobody said anything hateful online. So Google wrote net neutrality and passed it off as something that came out of Washington to protect us from companies 
like Google. We wanted to protect the stock market from crashes and recessions, so we invented the Federal Reserve and gave them authority to manipulate our money as they saw fit. We don't even know what banks these are. What people see today when they look at the American economy is not capitalism. Through progressivism, we married corporations to government, Google, Facebook, and Twitter. They're merely the latest in a very long line of government-blessed monopolies, giving them control over our news, our data, our media, in order to protect us from fake news and offensive memes. America, it is time right now to take a long look in the mirror. The bat signal is up in the sky, and it's coming from all countries on Earth. Please, America, don't screw this up. They're counting on us as they have always counted on us. We should be going to the Hall of Justice and meeting like the superheroes Americans are. Not the politicians, but regular people. But we're stuck. We're bound in chains of our own making. We're fat, and we've forgotten how to light this engine. We forgot what the flame and the spark really is. You know, when I was growing up, um, one of my first cars was a... It was an old Thunderbird. It had a 429 in it. And I remember you'd step on it once in a while to blow out all the carbon. Well, you know, we got to blow out all the carbon. This engine is not running right. And that carbon is corruption, social justice, picking favorites, bailouts. It's time for us to clean up the system. Now, there's a role for the government to play in this. We have the playbook for them to follow, but they're not. Every member of Congress, the Supreme Court, President Trump, they all have a dusty copy of it somewhere on a shelf in their uh, in their office, but they don't take it seriously, even though they made their most sacred vow to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. The goal of that playbook is to realign our society to our mission statement And that is government's job. Protect and defend the liberty of each individual. Full stop. Get the bad guys, no matter who they are. Full stop. Then get out of our way and we'll do the rest. If we are to rise up and meet the challenge of helping the world right now, right itself, we must start with ourselves and the and the idea the crazy idea that we would go to the failed policies of the past the true failed policies of the past of national socialism of communism it's insanity no more favoritism for the elites no more special privileges for the big silicon valley donors writing their own regulations no more immunity from from justice for corrupt politicians protected by the washington machine and apparently what seems to be some sort of a shadow government that runs through the fbi we must reject the sickness that has infected the rest of the world the lies that everyone keeps telling us of We should be more like Sweden. Really? Because Sweden is not a socialist. When it was a socialist state, its growth of jobs was at zero. They got to the point of collapse and changed. They're not socialist 
Check them out on the Freedom Index. I believe Swedes are more free in business than we are. And if they are so great, why do they invest in our sovereign bonds? We should copy the U.S., uh, the U.K. healthcare system and and the free college. Really? Their healthcare system? Why are they flying over here for surgery? And why are they now just getting rid of free college because they can't afford it? Well, well free college in China. Oh, yeah, really? You know that the U.S. produces 70% of the world's doctors, PhDs, including over half of the PhDs in China, that we should we should model their system of education? Stop using fossil fuels like Iceland did. Really? Because I remember they had to be bailed out in, in 2002. They collapsed. They said, tweet us your new constitution ideas. I don't think we follow Iceland. If following the rest of the road down the path of chaos or or socialism that has long been discredited in Europe. If that's the best idea, we wouldn't be the last nation on earth with government bonds still paying out a profit. We wouldn't have so much wealth invested by those people in our stock market. We are the last great hope. And I mean the last. And when I say hope, I mean, if we fail, if we don't protect the free market, if we don't clean ourselves up first and restore real justice and an actual free market, the world will plunge into darkness it has not seen in centuries. The return of the free market, the path the path to that return starts where it has always started, with America's mission statement that we hold these truths self-evident. And our Constitution is built to protect that, protect the little guy and the big guy equally. I pray that America can see this, that will hear this, and that they will realize our strength is not our military. Our strength must be our rule of law and our mission statement. From that, blessings flow. All right, when your alarm goes off in your house, uh, police police put it at the bottom of the 911 call because they they don't it's usually somebody's alarm went off by mistake and so they don't take it seriously and that has them going, you know, and arriving at your house about 45 minutes later. Now, imagine imagine this is a fire and you have a choice between two fire departments. First fire department going to get to your house in 45 minutes. That's good. Maybe they'll be able to save most of the house. Maybe everything will be lost. But either way, that's the best they can do. The second fire department you could choose, they'll get there in seven minutes. There's no choice. There is no choice. Everyone would call the one that could get there in seven minutes. This is why you should invest in Simply Safe. 
The average time it takes for police to respond to most home security systems is 45 minutes. But with Simply Safe, it is seven minutes. At $15 a month with no contract, no hidden fees, no fine print, Simply Safe provides around the clock monitoring with state of the art equipment that should scare our burglar friend away for good, but will also be able to video verify to the police yes, something's happened. You got to get there now. Now, Simply Safe has a huge deal going on right now. SimplySafeBeck.com. If you go to that web address, you get a free HD security camera when you order. That's a $100 value, your free HD security camera, so you can have video verification at SimplySafeBeck.com. That's S-M, uh, sorry, S-I-M-P-L-I, SimplySafeBeck.com. That's SimplySafeBeck.com. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, you know, I've I've often said we're the floatiest piece of poop in the toilet bowl. It has never been more clear um, that you know what Churchill said was, "It's the worst. Capitalism is the worst. It just happens to be the best right now. It's the best we've ever come up with." Um, and in Europe, this is what you need to brace for. Chaos is bad. Chaos is very bad. If we are stable and the rest of the world is in chaos, it will be okay. But we cannot be in chaos with the rest of the world. And with, with one of the Nordic countries, I can't remember which for sure, they took a trillion dollars out yesterday of their sovereign funds, which were dedicated to Europe sovereign funds. So you take a trillion dollars away from the governments of Europe, and where are they putting it? They're placing it here because they can guarantee a return here. They, they are guaranteed losses over in Europe. So you're kind of stuck if, I mean, if you're taking the money out of Europe, you're going to hasten its demise, but at least your investment will be okay. So maybe your country will be helped. And all of these countries are doing this. The money is flowing over here to the United States. And anything that looks unstable hurts us. So we need to stabilize. We need to clean up our system. But I think Europe is headed for catastrophe. Another, you know, 1930s-style catastrophe. Uh, And those countries will go into civil war. There will be revolutions all around the world because people are going to start being hungry because they can't pay for all of the things they promised that they would pay for people are gonna have to go back to work they're gonna have to um you know do without their their government health care and that's not going to go down well with people but that's the reality of things we must get our crap together so we don't go down the tube with everyone else and socialism will flush it imagine getting rid of the free market in this country now Imagine what that will do. It will tube our country overnight, which will tube the entire world. You're listening to Glenn Beck.
We have Jack Fairweather coming up in a second. He is the author of The Volunteer. I'm really excited which for this is, one. Oh my gosh. Have you read it yet? No, I'm this is I'm adding it to my list though. This is yeah, uh, this I, is an amazing story. I I read this, I don't know, last month and it is, you know, I I mean it has uh nazis and heroes saving jews i've read it you know i've re- i've oh, read yeah. them this story uh, is, is and above and beyond almost any story from the era though i mean I- i've never heard anything like this and this is a this is one a story that was erased because it was behind the iron curtain and so they just erased this guy and so it's a new story and this is one of the most I mean, spine-tingling heroes that I've ever read about. Uh, It's called The Volunteer, One Man, an Underground Army, and the Secret Mission to Destroy Auschwitz. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. Jack Fairweather is the author who's really kind of a hero himself. We'll tell you about that coming up in a sec. If you are looking for a book to read, I have the book. Uh, I read it last month, maybe three weeks ago, and not only could I not put it down, uh, it's one of those stories that just stays with you, and you've never heard this story. It's true. It's, It's a history book. It is the greatest hero story I've ever read, and it's a story that was suppressed by the Soviet Union, in fact, erased by the Soviet Union and has come out sporadically in the last few years, bits and pieces. Jack Fairweather has put it all together, and it is spellbinding. It's called The Volunteer. Jack Fairweather, kind of a a heroic figure himself, joins us in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Okay, if you've missed uh, the last hour, make sure you go back to the podcast and listen to the last hour. Uh, I've done a series all week on the economy uh, and what's really going on. And between China printing $50 trillion off the books um, and Britain struggling internally to make its decision on Brexit, uh, I think it's Denmark or Sweden yesterday put a trillion dollars, took a trillion dollars out of their sovereign bond uh, fund uh, from Europe and put it into the United States. There is real turmoil on the horizon, and we all have to act rationally and, uh, and don't do anything to destabilize or rock the boat. Yeah, right, like that's going to happen. Here's what I would like to talk to you today. The price of gold is almost exactly was what it was a century and a half ago. That means at least part of your portfolio, 10% or so, should be invested in it. Now, how could it be worth the same thing as 100 years ago, 150 years ago? A $20 gold piece, you could walk into any store and you could buy the best suit. Today, if you have that same $20 gold piece from the 1880s, you can go into a store and buy, you know, a Canali suit or a Giorgio Armani suit. And just use that $20 gold piece. What's changed is not the purchasing power of gold, the bogus currency that is supposed to represent gold. So that's how you 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 don't lose money on gold. If you buy it for an investment, talk to somebody else. I'm not an investment guy. 
If you are buying it as a hedge against insanity, that's what I do. When the world starts going towards sanity, okay. But right now, the Starfield is rolling rapidly towards insanity. That is a stabilizing factor that I want to have at least part uh, of my life uh, invested in. Visit Goldline at goldline.com. Call 866-GOLDLINE. It's not right for everybody, especially ask them how I buy it. I buy it in a more expensive way, um, and it has, you know, a historic meaning behind it. You can talk to them about it. Uh, visit goldline.com. Call them. They're waiting for your call. Do not, this is not an impulse buy. I know you better than that. Do your homework. Ask them for the information. Look around. Really study it out. Uh, and if you decide it's right for you, buy it from Goldline. They've been in business over 50 years. These are the, this is the Rolls Royce of gold dealers. It's 866 Goldline. 1 866 Goldline or goldline.com. Jack Fairweather is a graduate of Oxford University, correspondent for the Washington Post, Daily Telegraph. He was the guy who was reporting from Baghdad, and he was their their Persian Gulf bureau chief. While living in Baghdad as the Daily Telegraph's bureau chief, um, Jack met his wife-to-be. They lived in the house of Saddam Hussein's former perfume supplier, alongside other uh, other reporters. The violence as it escalated in Iraq, Jack was fortunate to survive a suicide bomb attack, a kidnapping attempt, uh, almost daily mortar attacks around their house. Um, He was embedded with the Iraqi invasion. It won him a British Press Award, which is the equivalent of the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, And then he decided, I think, probably because of all that, you know what, I I, I think I'm just going to move to Vermont and write some books. And I am so glad that he did. He is a tremendous writer, researcher, and he has written my favorite book of the year so far called The Volunteer. Jack Fairweather, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Sure. So, so Jack, um, this story, I want you to take our, our audience uh, and introduce him, uh, introduce them to this, this one man uh, you call the volunteer, uh, and why we've never heard this story before. It's extraordinary, isn't it? So he, here is the guy. He is 38 years old. He's a farmer in eastern Poland, but for World War II and the Nazi invasion of his country, Poland, he probably would have spent his days farming with his wife and two kids. The Nazis invaded Poland was plunged into this brutal occupation. Auschwitz concentration camp is opened June 1940, a few months into the war. And the resistance, which this guy, Polecki, joined, needed to find out what was happening in this camp. There were rumors coming to Warsaw that it was this brutal, terrible location for the punishment of Polish nationals. Polecki's name was put forward to volunteer for this mission, to volunteer for Auschwitz. And that was a mission that he took in order to the, tell the world the, what was happening there. The incredible, the, I mean, this story is just full of hair-raising moments. First of all, um, 
Yeah, I, I talked to one of the righteous among the nations who saved a lot of Jews, and she said almost exactly uh, what, how you described this man. I asked her, I said, I believe the tree of righteousness is is planted in each of us. What's the water? How do we water that tree? And she said, you misunderstand. She said, the righteous didn't suddenly become righteous. They just refused to go over the cliff with the rest of humanity. So it's just being who you've always been. This guy was not a heroic figure. What 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 in God's green earth made him become this hero? That that is a um, a great question, and I think it is exactly as your as your friend that survivor told you. He had a way of holding to his moral compass when others lost theirs. Um, He had a deep faith. He was a devout Catholic. Um, But I think more than that, he had this ability to trust others. And that was incredibly powerful tool for the resistance because at that time, the Nazis were trying to destroy the bonds between people. They were trying to break us down into racial and ethnic and religious categories in order to sort of pick off groups or pit them against each other. And Pilecki rejected that so deeply, and he found a way to combat it by reaching out to the people around him and saying, I'm going to trust you with the secret of the underground. I'm going to trust you with my life. And they responded to that. They responded to that idea that something greater than themselves could endure both in Warsaw during those first months of the occupation, and then, most extraordinarily, in Auschwitz. So let me, before we get to Auschwitz, um, he had, he was not a nationalist, and um, and there's a there's a pull to nationalism when a country goes through what what they were going through. Um, but he, when he gets into the underground, he and I can't remember the relationship, but the other guy that was with him was was friend at first, wasn't he? He he Who formed kind a of... cell with a, with a guy called Jan Vladokevich. Um and uh, Jan wanted to take their group in a nationalist direction. He right. saw, he wanted a political agenda, and Palevsky. I mean, he was a conservative. He was, as I mentioned, a a Catholic, a man of sort of traditional values. But he saw the dangers in going in that direction. That was in some ways what the Nazis wanted them to do was to become, you know, have this narrow ethnic vision of what Poland was. And he he went behind his friend's back and uh, broke his friendship in order to ensure that his group stayed open to all. Because they were they were really starting to say, you know, the Jews kind of deserve it and everything else, and he didn't feel that way. So he is kind of trapped uh, on this choice because uh, they need somebody to go into Auschwitz to volunteer to be rounded up where the Nazis are rounding people up, and when they round them up, you, you have just as likely of a chance of being shot on the spot as you do going to Auschwitz. And uh, he takes his time to decide when they're saying, you know, I think you're the right guy to go, uh, but you have to volunteer. And that must have been an excruciating 
uh, uh, decision for him, but he still didn't even know what Auschwitz was at the time. That's right. I mean, he knew enough that walking into a German roundup was exceedingly dangerous. The underground had been tipped off that there would be a number of big roundups in Warsaw uh, with the idea of just seizing men and sending them to Auschwitz. Um, But it was also the case that during these roundups, there would be sort of random shootings by the Germans of those they they captured. It was extremely dangerous. And um, Pileski also had to think, of course, about his wife and two kids. Um, They had escaped from eastern Poland, had been seized by the Soviet Union and found safety in a village outside. If Pilecki was caught, they themselves would be subject to reprisals, arrests, possibly execution. Um, It was a a huge decision, which was why one roundup went by without him doing anything as he dwelt on on the risks. And um, in the end, that sense of duty, that sense of patriotism, Really, that sense, in fact, that he could do something. He believed in himself. He believed that he could create a resistance cell in Auschwitz, um, pushed him into uh, making that decision. So um, as he gets into Auschwitz, uh, another point of the story that I I have never heard anything like. I mean, it almost seems like, what was the name of that show? Hogan's Heroes at some point where they've got a radio and everything else. I've never heard this. And the way you describe how they get the radio and how they wire the camp to be able to smuggle information out is insane. He, um, Pilecki is one of the most extraordinary solution-finding creative, ingenious, devious men I think I have encountered. I mean, the underground that he created in Auschwitz um, within days, started creating within days of arriving in the camp. They were soon smuggling out reports, stole a radio to create their own station to broadcast news of the Nazi crime. They were... Can, can you just... Can you, can you take us through the... Can, can you just... I'm going to take a one-minute break, and will you just take us through how they got the radio that 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 night that they had to throw it out a window is is just nuts could you take us through that yes indeed okay Um, we'll do that in hang on hang on we'll do that in one minute let me take a quick break and then we'll back be back this is a must read it is so good you've never heard anything of of this and it, it has been it was destroyed by the soviets and hidden by the soviets and uh, Jack has put all of the pieces together and talked to survivors, and it's fantastic. It's called The Volunteer. When you own your own business, there are a lot of things that you need to consider on a daily basis, and comfort and productivity of your employees is just one of these. The people coming in every day to sit down at their computers and make money, uh, the least you can do is to make sure that they're comfortable while they're doing it. Investing in the right type of office chair may not seem like that big of a deal but it really is if you are if you are the person in charge of budgeting for your office this is a good capex expense 
I recommend and I use the X-Chair. With its patented dynamic variable lumbar support, the X-Chair is what you need for a comfortable workday. And thanks to X-Chair's 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of satisfaction, you have zero risk. Now, most companies can't make this kind of offer, you know, that oh, just ship it back because it's expensive to ship it and then ship it back. They know that this chair will blow your mind. It is really fantastic. It's the X chair. It's on sale now for $100 off. All you have to do is go to xchairbeck.com. Go to xchairbeck.com, or you can call them at 844-X-CHAIR, and they'll send you information. But it's xchairbeck.com. Make sure you use the promo code BECK. You're going to receive a new, a free set of the new X wheels with your chair. It's xchairbeck.com, promo code BECK. We pause for 10 seconds, station ID. We're talking to Jack Fairweather. He's the author of The Volunteer, One Man, An Underground Army, and The Secret Mission to Destroy Auschwitz. The main character, this is a true story, um, he goes in, he volunteers to be arrested and to go into Auschwitz to try to set up an underground and to smuggle out information on what's going on. Um, Jack, first, before you get into the radio story, do you think he planned on spending so much time there? Do you think he he thought he could get in and out a, a little faster than he did? He, he did, and I think um, he was stunned by the level of violence that he encountered upon yeah. arriving in the camp. And I think he also realized that telling the story of what was happening there, con- informing the world, was the most important thing that he could be doing with his, with his, uh, with his time. And there was nowhere else that he could be that would have greater impact. So you're a prisoner in Auschwitz. There, I mean, I just I wouldn't know how to judge who you could trust or not, but he's really good, and he gets people to trust him, and he trusts the right people. And he says the insane thing, we have to steal a radio and then put a little broadcast tower up so we can get this information out of the camp. Explain how they did this. Yeah, it's just it's an extraordinary um, heist. Uh, Palewski and a colleague of his um, learned that there were spare radio parts in the SS architect's office where the SS men were drawing up their plans for building gas chambers and other such um, ghastly things. Um, they had spare radio parts in that building. So he arranged by paying some bribes to get transferred to that office where some of the inmates worked drafting the maps and designs. And um, one night, Paletsky and his friends stole the, the bits they needed from the radio room. They um, put them through a door, uh, through the window in the toilet, ran undercover, you know, with the guards sort of... Um, patrolling on the road outside, ran um, at night, ditched the radio, ran back into the room without anyone noticing, and then arranged for one of their friends who, um, to collect the radio and smuggle it back into the camp. Um, it was possibly one of the most dangerous activities. Any moment uh, that they were discovered, they would be shot and probably yeah. everyone when else you... and every other prisoner in that building. The way you tell this in the book of how they 
had to distract one guard who was within eyeshot of the cabinet of the radios and the bathroom door and how they one of them had to keep him busy and distracted uh, and then go in and have a reason to keep going into the bathroom. Uh, and at the at the very end, when they threw it out on the window, there was a like some sort of crash or something outside. I didn't know if it was related to that or not. But all the guards uh, came to, a, a, you know, kind of a, an alert, a state of an alert. The guard that was being distracted heard it and thought it might be something from the the bathroom. And the guy was outside. He had to go out of that bathroom window. He had to clamor back in. And, I mean, it was, I mean, it's the closest call ever. It is this is a fantastic those, story, Jack. Those guys had nerves of steel, right? I mean, how steel? I, I imagine the the, the emotional wreck um, that most of us would be having to uh, perform such a task. So, and Jack, this it, was hidden. Like, they, did, they did the sort of thing day in, day out. This was hidden uh, from uh, the world by the Soviet Union. Um, did they destroy everything about this, or did they just keep it secret? They um, destroyed some of his um, some of his writings. Um, they locked away in the state archives the, one of the uh, main reports that Pilecki wrote after escaping from the camp. Um, and that why was, did uh, why did they do that? Why did they do that? Pilecki at the end of the war went back to fight against the communist regime that the Soviet Union installed in Poland. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, um, you know, 1945, War One, victory parades, uh, that was not the case in Poland. Um, it was, yeah. in fact, an escalation of violence, millions of people displaced by the by Stalin's forces, ethnic cleansing. You know, I tell you, if you can, if you can hang on, I want to talk about the escape and a little bit of what he went through after. It's hair raising. You're Coming up. Preparedness is something I'm a big fan of. I've been talking about for years on this program and elsewhere. We do not know when things are going to get difficult. And, you know, we're not talking about a catastrophic collapse. What we're talking about are things like Florida this weekend. Florida, our thoughts and our prayers, and Mercury One, I know, is loaded for bear now. If you would like to help with the, you know, the uh, assistance with Mercury One, we'll be on the ground. We'll be one of the first people on the ground, I can guarantee you. But um, preparedness is for things like this, for a hurricane. Don't worry about what are we going to eat? Do we have enough money? What do we do? You, We're heading into National Preparedness Month, um, and my Patriot Supply the company that revolutionized preparedness with industry-leading line of emergency food. It's really good. They have great water filtration products, et cetera, et cetera. But this week, you can save $100 on a four-week emergency food package if you go to the website preparewithglenn.com. Four-week food kits, breakfast, lunch, and dinner last up to 25 years. That hurricane rolls through. You're set. Don't ignore the writing on the wall. Preparewithglenn.com. Do it now. Save 100 bucks. Preparewithglenn.com. Go to blazetv.com. Use the promo code Glenn. Save $10. I feel like I've told you this before, but you should do it today. blazetv.com.
Hey, immediately following this broadcast today, it's about 25 minutes away, I'm going to be taking phone calls. I did it yesterday, and I learned a lot. This is a this is a chance, uh, you know, we try to explain things uh, and break them down, uh, but there are times that I really need to listen to you because I need to hear what's happening um, in your life. Uh, what is... What is what's happening with you with work and finances? Are you feeling a good economy, bad economy? Uh, are are your neighbors? Are you fighting with your neighbors like we are all supposed to think that everybody is fighting? Because I don't see it. Is it the Washington crowd? I just where do how do you feel about the election? Where it's going? I just want to hear from you. Call us at eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. We're doing that. Right after student. right after the show, yeah, get in line now uh, so we can get you all screened and everything and ready to go, and we'll do it right after this program today, 888-727-BECK. Okay, we're talking to Jack Fairweather. He is the author of The Volunteer, a new book uh, that came out, I think, last month or a couple months ago. I, could, I, I read it last month. I, I, you are going to love this. It's a story you've never heard about a remarkable, heroic, and brave beyond belief volunteer to be arrested and go into Auschwitz uh, and uh, and get information out to find out what they were doing in there. Um, Jack, you were saying a, a little while ago that he, you know, he couldn't believe the brutality. Uh, it was beyond description. Um, and he starts to get this word out and he really thinks that, you know, help is on the way. It, 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 at what point do you think he or did he kind of really lose hope or was he kind of thinking that maybe somehow or another this news is not being transmitted it's not getting to the right people um after um two years in the camp a member of the underground headquarters in warsaw is captured and brought to the camp and Pilecki tracks him down the first time he's had sort of direct contact with with someone from uh, from the headquarters, and they tell him that yes, they've gotten his reports, and no no action is coming. His pleas to bomb the camp, to send the forces to attack it, um, had fallen on deaf deaf ears, both in Warsaw, in London, and in D.C. And Pulaski had no doubt suspected this he'd been almost two years in the camp by this stage but it was still a hammer blow to him and um, he responded in that <laughs> typically Pilecki style fashion by deciding I could escape this camp no matter how dangerous it is um, and I'm going to go to Warsaw I'm going to go to the Allies and persuade them in person that they've got to attack and destroy Auschwitz and that was the genesis then of his his extraordinary escape attempt. Okay, so before we get to the um, escape attempt, um, he is, uh, the way you describe the information that is is taken out and how it gets to the Allies and how England says, we, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do this mission, and a lot of people in England are upset about it, um, but they're saying we're not going to do it because, um, you know, this is a, that's a long range uh, to get there. We we get lost as it is. We have to have clear skies and everything else to go exactly right. 
Uh, and that's a long, long flight that anything could happen. And as you describe it in the I've always been really pissed at the allies, but, you know, particularly America, uh, for not doing anything about it. But for the first time reading your book, and maybe this was not your intent, I kind of understood why they didn't do it. It kind of made sense to me. Still felt morally wrong, but I kind of understood. Did you come away with that feeling? Yeah, I, I, it was my intention to try and show all sides of the story I mean, I, right. and, and, let, and let readers sort of reach their own judgment. I think that was your feelings reflected mine ultimately that um it you know you understand the, the rationale for not attacking the camp but at the same time you realize that the moral case for doing so for making every possible effort to destroy auschwitz is is overwhelming and it is an indictment on allied leaders that they allowed their sort of the rationality of the moment to um, beat that absolute moral imperative to destroy Auschwitz yeah. that we recognize today. Okay, so when he plans his escape, first of all, how much of this stuff that he was doing in the camp, I mean, because he was, I mean, he, in a way, he almost was running the camp. I mean, he could be transferred anywhere he wanted to be. I mean, it was a it was a place to wheel and deal. How common was that in in Auschwitz? It was fairly uncommon. Um, okay, half of the of Polish prisoners who went to the camp died. Ninety nine percent of Jewish prisoners who went to the camp died. Um, Pileski had um, a small advantage in that he and some of his early recruits were in the camp from the beginning, so they had time to work their way into slightly better jobs mm -hmm. that increased their chance of chance of survival. But still, you had to be always alert. You had to have remarkable resources of ingeniousness, and you had to be lucky. And Pilecki, I mean, for all of his talents as an underground operative, was also damn, damn lucky at, at, at times. And um, um, such, you know, you know, he escaped the camp. Two months later, the camp leadership was uh, was ex executed by the Germans um, in you know, in the camp. So he, you know, escaped in the in the nick of time. So he had to convince himself. Take us from the. Uh... Take us from the, the 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 escape starting at the hospital. He had to convince somebody, like overnight, he had spent a lot of time convincing the, the Nazis and the, the guards that he was he had to be in this position. I have to work here, and that was saving his life. Um, but he made himself, you know, irreplaceable. And then almost overnight, he had to convince them, no, I've got to go work on this crew to be able to actually escape. So take us from, like, the hospital. Right. So he had um, he, he was working in a job in the camp administration like some of the other prisoners, um, and he couldn't just sort of switch units um, from that position. He had to fizzle fake illness to get into the hospital. And once in the hospital, 
he then had to reach out to the leader, the head prisoner who was running a detachment that worked in the camp bakery outside the camp. This was going to be the place that he escaped from. And um, he needed to become one of those inmate bakers. And um, he just decided to go for it. He checked out of the hospital, um, even though that was illegal to do so. He went to the capo and he had some stolen goodies, some sweet treats and other things to uh, to give the uh, this uh, head prisoner who ran the squad and managed to persuade him that, yes, he, he had permission to join. He had then less than 24 hours to escape because at the next roll call, um, they would discover that this guy had gone to the hospital and illegally checked himself out and illegally switched work assignment. Um, so when he left out the camp gates the, for the night shift with the Baker squad, um, that was his one shot. There was no going back. And he arrived at that, at that um, bakery for the night shift about 6 p.m., knowing that he had about five or six hours to work out how to escape from, from that room. He had two other um, co-escapers with him and they ended up having to force the door and sprint away with the guards shooting after them um, at about 2 a.m. just, you know, with the clock ticking down and they made it. They made it at least as far as the river. But then, of course, that was just the beginning because he still had to escape from the immediate camp environs. He had to then travel across 100 miles of Nazi-occupied Poland to reach a safe house. And um, it took him two weeks of just the most extraordinary um, hijinks and um, close calls to to finally to finally escape. And um, Jack when um, I'm sorry to interrupt. When he escapes, he all three of them. Well, I'm not going to wreck the book for you. But when he uh, when he escapes, at one point he goes to the house that has the man whose name he stole. He was not under his name. He took that guy's name and was in Auschwitz under his name. Uh, Why did he go to that house? I would think that that would be one of the first places that they would search if that's where I mean, that's. I mean, he was later arrested. That guy was later arrested, um, and 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 they found out. Oh, it's a fake name. It w- it was just an extraordinary coincidence. Coincidence. Um, when, he, when he got to that, when he got to the safe house, Paletsky is a real testament to the man. He wasn't didn't put his feet up and try and sort of uh, you know, rest. Within an hour of getting to that safe house, he was saying, take me to the local leader. We've got to attack the camp right now. And he was taken uh, taken to see the local commander. The local commander was the man whose name he had been using in the camp for the for that two and a half years. Just a crazy coincidence. And um, Paletsky persuaded him of the need to attack the camp. And um, uh, unfortunately, um, the underground in Krakow, the nearest city, uh, did not believe Paletsky's story. I mean, the real 
tells you something about that mood of paranoia in uh, in the country at the time, a lot of roundups and betrayals. And so they thought that Pilecki was a German spy. So um, that forced Pilecki then to go to Warsaw to continue his efforts to um, win over um, the underground and persuade them to attack Auschwitz. Jack, I am out of time, and I, I don't want to tell any more because, I mean, the the last part of the book, the last quarter of the book is after Auschwitz, and it is just as hair-raising. Uh, I just have to thank you so much for uh, writing this, doing the research. I mean, it had to be damn near impossible to do it, to find and track and find all these people that could tell the stories and find the uh, the records that still do exist. But I think this is one of the most riveting, uh, empowering, and uh, uh, important stories that I have heard in a long, long time. Thank you, Jack. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you for having me. You bet. Jack Fairweather. You can find him at jackfairweather.com. Uh, the name of the book is The Volunteer. I haven't done it justice this hour. I hope that it has piqued your interest, but I have not done this book justice. You need to read it. It's The Volunteer. Back in just a second, one of the listeners to the show, Gary, is a longtime deer hunting enthusiast. Uh, in fact, he's part of the uh, hunting lodge of retired guys. They uh, He goes out with them every year or so just for a few days during hunting season. Uh, last year, he was forced to admit to the guys that he, this was going to be his last year. He had been having horrible, horrible back pain in the last few months, and he got to the point where he just couldn't he just couldn't hike up, and he just he just couldn't stand the pain going and waiting for the deer. Then one of the other guys at the lodge said, "Gary, have you tried Relief Factor? Because I was in your boat. Can you try Relief Factor?" He tried it. Now, Relief Factor is a great way to reduce the inflammation that causes pain. It works for 70% of those who try it. It's not a drug. For $19.99, you can get the three-week quick start. Gary took the quick start challenge. He tried it. This year, not only is he going back hunting, he's planning on bringing home the biggest prize. Uh, Gary, I can't tell you how happy I am for you. Relief Factor worked for him, worked for me works for millions of Americans. It's relieffactor.com. Please give it a try. If it doesn't work, you're out 20 bucks. If it does, you get your life back. relieffactor.com. 800-583-84. relieffactor.com. This is the Glenbeck program. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. Uh, we are going to be taking your calls here in just a few minutes. I urge you to get on the phone. I, I want to hear from you about how you feel about the economy, how you feel about politics, what your thoughts are on the Democratic candidates and, and Donald Trump, where we're headed. I re- but I, wanted, I don't want to hear it about the comments about the national stuff. What I want to hear, really is what's happening in your life and in your community. Um, I had a woman call yesterday. We couldn't get a chance to get to her call. We took her number. I hope to get her on. Um, but uh, she said she's a Hispanic woman, 
and she she's a Trump supporter, and she feels like she better not open her mouth. And I so I want to hear the good and the bad. Are, is that the way your neighbors are? Because my neighbors are not like this. Um, and I just like to hear it from you. I want to get a, you know, the reason why I was was so misguided uh, with you on Donald Trump is not because I believed what I believed, but because I didn't take the time to listen to you and say, what's happening in your life? And I want to do that through this campaign season because I understood what you were seeing in Donald Trump. Once I asked that question, I got it. I got it. Uh, And I was too far removed and quite honestly, uh, too arrogant. Um, And I want to remain a reflection of you because I don't think anybody or very few people in the mainstream media, hardly any, if any, are a reflection of you. And uh, so I need you to call now and tell me what's happening in your life. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. 